movie geeks of the world. We have returned for another exciting week. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey, man. Uh, where do you guys want to start? <laughs> oh, oh I don't, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I know we talked about Weinstein last week, but uh, uh, and uh, it's a continuing story, of course. Yeah. Does uh, I mean? Uh, here's what I want. Here's what I want to know. Uh, and and uh, it's so just to set the premise in case there's somebody out there that doesn't know. So last week we talked about the initial sexual harassment allegations, of which there were many against Harvey Weinstein. He was ousted from the Weinstein Company. Uh, A couple of days ago, the Academy voted him out of the Academy. Um, And uh, people have come forward, women have come forward and accused him of rape. Uh, And and it's it's, uh, ongoing. There are so, so many women, and they all share similar stories of how he... Uh, tried to uh, lure them and uh, harass them and intimidate them. It's they're all very similar. Um, so he's uh, jobless. He's wifeless because his wife's going to divorce him. He's seeking treatment, according to him, at a rehab, and uh, he's a pariah. Uh, essentially, the one of the most powerful and influential figures in uh, studio filmmaking of the past. 20, 25 years, is now completely decimated. Uh, and rightfully so, if he's, done, if he's done all of this stuff, which it seems that he has. But when considering the, the legacy of Miramax, which was, you can't argue, was spearheaded by mostly Harvey Weinstein and his brother Bob, does this tarnish that legacy or should the films and the accomplishments remain separate from the kind of the criminality the sordid aspect of him well if you don't uh if you don't separate the two then you basically have to discount most of most of what's gone on in movies Uh for the past three decades um uh, so, uh, so this is going to be a, a real test of some people. I mean, I've read some articles by uh, female uh, film journalists that said that it's that the whole thing's making them rethink uh, rethink their relationship to movies. Uh, one of them was from a journalist whose favorite movie is The Hours, which he co-produced, uh, and. Uh, she she said, "Well, uh, what am I supposed to do now? You know, this is one of my favorite movies, the uh, a movie that made me want to get into film journalism, uh, and now I have to deal with this. Uh, the the thing is, you know, you have to separate the two. I mean, a lot of things that <clears throat> a lot of these movies that that Harvey worked on, first of all, as executive producer, he merely put his name on them." Or he bought them for distribution, so he had nothing to do with the making of them, really. Right. Uh, um, so uh, people are going to have to learn something about the film industry in order to make their decisions, I guess. 
But uh, for me, I mean, it's always been easy to separate the two. I mean, you know, for me, uh, also, just to reiterate what I said last week, I've never looked at Harvey Weinstein as a filmmaker. Uh, yeah. He's, he's a money man. He's not uh, He's not uh, creative. In fact, he's stood in the way of creative, pe- creative people many times, just as many yeah. times probably as he's helped them. Um, yeah, I mean, he locked directors out of the editing suite. I mean, yes. let's not forget I that. Mean, He's done things of that nature. So, and, and I'm not making light of the other, the obviously the serious sexual harassment. But this man uh, is yeah, a don't, don't pull a don't pull a Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader got know, crucified. <laughs> yeah, Everybody Paul got Schrader. crucified right and left. Uh, Paul Schrader got well, crucified for saying, you know, I've I've known that he's a sexual a sexual uh, kind of. Uh, uh, he didn't use the word predator, but uh, you know something similar to that for years. But uh, you know his his other sin is he he subterfuges uh, filmmakers and directors by right. taking away their edits. Right. And everyone said, well, you know, there's no comparison between. No, there really and, is no uh, comparison. I'm not saying so, that. So he, so he he got blasted upon too, which is everybody's getting blasted upon this past week. People are so quick to smear yeah, others. Um, but uh, you know, this is it. I mean, so many great films, though. And and yes, like a lot of like a lot of studio heads of old, uh, who who stuck their noses in uh, some work. I mean, Harvey Weinstein isn't the first to do that. But you have to give him the credit for ushering in an independent film movement and making it profitable for for a right. time. Mm-hmm. But. Um, he is uh, he is a a pig, so yeah. And his name will re- his name will remain in the credits of those films, which is unfortunate because there are a lot of good films under the Miramax banner, uh, and it feels like they're almost being soiled by keeping his name in those in those credits. Yeah. <laughs> wow! Well, I mean, they're wow, not going to go wow, back and God. change the credits <laughs> of all the let's, movies. Let's, 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 Let's talk about this for a second because this is actually a very important conversation to have because you said it has been going. There's no, there's no excuse for it. I mean, I'm just looking now. Um, Courtney Love has just come out, and I'm looking at the the rap today, and um, you know, said that she tried to she tried to speak out against him years ago. Um, that Woody Allen has supposedly come out today and said he hopes it doesn't lead to a witch hunt mentality. Read what you will into that statement. Um, wow, but. Yeah, um, I don't know. If he, you know, there are people who should chime in. I, if I was with Allen, maybe don't chime in. Um, not yet, at least. Um, I don't know, and I like. I've been having this conversation with a good friend of mine in England for a couple of weeks. Ever since this broke out, and he comes, where do you draw? I mean, is it? I hate to say this: film critic, film producer, and film director equals sexual deviant, sexual, you know, molester. I mean, and it seems to be lately it does. I mean. Um, I, I hate I hate to say that, but it just seems like we're, we've entered this culture where this is allowed to run rampant. And as long as we talked about this last week, but as long as your pictures did well, no no one said anything. Um, it seems. Am I wrong in thinking that? Um, well, let me just say this. Let me just say this. Okay, first of all, we haven't entered into this culture as far as as far as Hollywood and the world just in general. But uh, uh, Hollywood's always been like this. Yeah, um, it's been like this since the twenties and the thirties. Yeah. Um, there's what? you know, of course, we know about the casting couch. 
and uh, um, we know we know that uh, lots of studio heads have uh, strong-armed actresses into uh, into sex um, uh, in the past. Yes, I'm talking I'm, about. But it, you know, I'm not naming any. Uh, I, I don't. I can't name any real specifics right now. Uh, specific people. But there are there are a lot of stories in the past, so this right. is something that's ongoing. Uh, yeah, a lot of people thing. got into a lot of people got into the film business, and I'm talking about men now. A lot of men got into the film business because that would bring you know easy access to some of uh, the most beautiful women in the world. And uh, maybe there would be a chance that they could they could uh, uh, spend time with them, uh, to put it lightly. Uh, wow, that is know, a, that's I mean, a euphemism. That's a euphemism <laughs> if I've ever heard one. There's a, there's a lot of people who got into the business because they thought that it afforded them those opportunities. Right. Um, and, and uh, you know, I mean – so so this is this is something that's I don't think it's going to change. I I think I think you know a, a few uh, maybe a couple of months from now this we won't even be having the conversation. However, now we're starting to hear of like Bjork has come out and said, "Well, there's a Danish film director out there that that uh sexually harassed me." Well, she's only done two movies and one was with a female film director. So, um so we know who that is. That's Lars von Trier. Oh God! Oh my God! <laughs> uh, somebody's come out against. I'm not thinking, uh, I'm not making laugh. I'm making fun. I'm just like kind of. Or uh, uh, um, Oliver Stone has uh, gotten some uh, some uh, things uh, thrown at him, and we know that Oliver Stone has had a had a tough time with with working with women in his movies. Do you think that this is – and I don't know. We've always known this is going on. It just seems like in the last decade or so there are mo- stories and movies and books being written that they, there's a culture where this can be talked about openly. Let's take the movie um, – the Hitchcock, the two Hitchcock movies that came out. Yes. Um, so, so it seems like we've entered that phase. But let me ask you guys a question. Jamie, if you want to edit this out, I completely understand. I'm not, you know – and I, I would edit out anything where I speak. Um, but that's just me. Um, but – I think we're, we're seeing this because I think we have in parts of the country, in parts of the free world, someone who has been accused of sexual harassment. Where there's proof, yes, there's audio that's, why we're, that's why we're seeing it. Did you think, so we can't fight that, yes. but this is the battle people think they can fight. So yes. we're doing it that way. Okay. Yes. All right. That's, that's, my, that's my question. Okay. That's it. That that's it. That's that's the reason. That's the reason that that it's happening now. Of course, it's also uh, another reason is that uh, Harvey Weinstein is not is not making is not as huge a powerful figure as he was once before. Right. So mm-hmm. he can be taken down easily without taking down the entire right. industry. Uh, although you know, I mean, like how does I mean you know now now people. Uh, almost everybody has worked with Harvey Weinstein at one point or another um, in the movie industry. So, are all those people besmirched now? Like, are, uh, you know, apparently so. Uh, right. Um, you yeah, know, if you profit, if you profited from Harvey Weinstein, somehow you're automatically implicit in his 
and that and that's the aspect of this thing that really uh, disturbs uh, disturbs me as well. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, what Harvey Weinstein did deser- uh, disturbs me. But uh, if he's if he's ousted from every aspect of the industry from now on, then those are his just desserts. But uh, the ability to smear anyone who's had any any contact with Harvey Weinstein at any time whatsoever, uh, the fact that you could smear them by association is uh, is also that's disturbing. a huge net. I mean, it is. It might as well be like year zero in terms of liking movies or not. Like, okay, I like all movies post-Harvey Weinstein now. Like, uh, pre-Harvey Weinstein, I don't like them because it was all, you know, what? Really? You're going to throw the whole industry down the toilet because of that? Uh, I mean, come on. And and the fact of of the matter is, like, there's a a difference between – Thing like uh, a dog, like somebody who's very openly flirtatious and all, and and uh, aggressive in a flirtatious kind of way, and someone who's a sexual predator and an assaulter. So, if you look at some of these people of power that hung around Harvey Weinstein or had associations with him, and and people are looking at them like you are implicit in it, it's very possible that they didn't have first-hand knowledge of, of most of this because Harvey Weinstein would not want them to have that kind of view of him. Right. 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 Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it's the, it, like, you know, when you talk about somebody like Quentin Tarantino, okay, who's been connected with Weinstein into his entire career, basically. You're right. Mm-hmm. I do find it difficult to believe that he didn't really know anything. <laughs> I mean, 25 years is a long time to know somebody. Yeah, I mean, and uh, you know, he didn't just see him, see him at a meeting and then not see him for a couple of years. I mean, the guy threw, the guy uh, didn't want to uh, you know, pay for their his wedding or something like that, throw his wedding or mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like when mm-hmm. you know, Tarantino's wedding, uh, uh, um. You know, when you're that close, you you have to have some, you know, some kind of heart-to-heart conversations about women and right. stuff like that, you know, like, you know. So, I mean, but, uh, or, or or Kevin Smith, you know, who's come forward and said, you know, I, I feel bad that I've, you know, pretty much profited off of, off of uh, Weinstein's, my connection with Weinstein for uh, almost all my career and while all these women were suffering. Uh, but women have been suffering for this entire, again, for the entire existence of Hollywood. Women have been suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, right. uh, you know, the best thing that you can say about this whole thing is maybe this will this will get more women into the driver's seat in terms of making movies, because that would only improve I think that, movies. That's the, that's, the, that's, that's the only real key to changing the dynamic, yeah. I think. It is. I mean, they needed to be. This needed to be done long ago because the the movie industry is in dire need of uh, you know uh, you know more interesting stories, not just superhero shit. And uh, and women hold the key to that. I think. I think that it's a whole other world that we haven't been privy to because they've been kept out of the. They've been kept out of. 
out of uh, positions of power, uh, largely, particularly in terms of making the movies. Not, I'm not, you know, certain film film executives and certain producers, but I'm talking about the actual makers of the movies, the directors, the cinematographers, blah blah blah, on right. and on. They, we need to have more of those uh, voices in here. Just, just, I mean, it's the right thing to do. But it's not only that; it's also the best thing to do for the industry because it's just, it's just going to improve it. Um, so uh, you know, I mean, that's the best thing that we can hope to come out of this thing. So uh, Weinstein Company, they even though they they no longer employ Harvey Weinstein, rumors have had it that they're going to dissolve, and the representatives of the Weinstein Company say that no, that's absolutely not true, but. Uh, Let's assume that it is true, because I'm pretty sure it'll happen, whether they want it to or not. Uh, a lot of properties are going to go to the wind, including one that's already happened, which is the David O. Russell De Niro uh, series on Amazon that was half-funded by the Weinstein Company. Mm-hmm. So you've got to find another fun- funding alternative for it. Um, but there's also Tarantino's next movie about the Manson family. He's done all of his movies with Weinstein. Uh, oh, I don't. Shit. I don't anticipate. I don't anticipate he would have a problem f- finding another studio interested in. You know, he wouldn't. Have yeah. Would he? Yeah. Nah. No. Not at all. I don't I mean, think. I, I mean, unless he gets unless he gets dragged through the mud too. You know, which could possibly happen over the next few weeks. It could happen to anybody right now. I mean, it's not. <laughs> I was thinking that, you know, because he, he – who was it? Amber Camlin released a statement on Instagram or yes. something that he's going to that he's gonna have a statement soon or, or something. So you don't know. I mean, if he says the wrong thing or people, you yeah. know, they're going to jump on him too. So, I mean you, – You can bet that every single, every single star, every single person in Hollywood has had, had some kind of association with Weinstein. They're working very closely with their publicists this past week. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> to draft to draft like a very tenderly phrased uh, response. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No question. I mean, you know, when you got Meryl Streep, you know, who once called Harvey Weinstein her god in a right. uh, in, in an acceptance speech, yeah, uh, I mean... for one of her many awards. You know, she's you know she's one that's that's never really. Close to much controversy, really. Uh, you know, other than you know some of her political statements, but right. uh, you know, so so this will be different territory for her. Yeah. Uh, hey, Dean, getting some support for his views on Blade Runner. Completely agree with the fellows at Movie Geeks Unite. Blade Runner twenty forty nine was missing something, uh, and another writer says that uh, he's glad he's not the only one that was lukewarm on Blade Runner. Uh, and then somebody on uh, YouTube said um, that he disagrees that uh, this one looked a lot better than the than he thought this one looked a lot better than the original. So it's got mm. some good responses. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's a beautiful looking movie. Don't get, all right, I don't want to go back and relitigate last week's show, but uh, <laughs> beautiful looking movie. But I mean, I, can I be honest with you? It's a movie I thought I'd want to rush out and go see again immediately, and, I, and I haven't. So. <laughs> you know, so I feel like I got everything out of it, you know, that I, and I'll, I'll watch it again on Blu-ray or something. But there, there hasn't been refreshing. Refreshing to hear an honest review of Blade Runner 2049 by the 
guys at Movie Geeks Unite. Other critics just seem to follow popular opinion. Look at you. Mm. Look at you guys. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. good. People are refusing to listen to my the show that I did on the tenant with the projection booth because it involves Polanski. Oh. So that, that's that's the support that I've gotten from. <laughs> that's a lot of bollocks. That's a lot of bollocks, man. That's a good show, man. Which Come the shame? If you if you you should listen to that show. It's a really smart show. It's a good, good yeah, no, examination no. of that movie. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, articles this week came from. Uh, Martin Scorsese uh-huh. got in his sites the uh, critical aggregate websites like Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, basically in a uh, article for Variety, he said I that it was uh, I think it was, Reporter. was the Hollywood Reporter. I can't. Okay. Yeah, it was the Hollywood. Okay, uh, he he basically said that uh, these things are pointless and that they are uh, they are uh, denigrating the um, the uh, the act of film criticism and uh, film assessment. Uh, and then, but what I really loved about it, and I totally agree with that stuff. I mean, you know, I use Rotten Tomatoes, but you know, I I, I go over there and I'll. I'll look at only top critics. I don't look at all the critics, just the top critics. And uh, but you know when I go and take a look at their actual reviews, uh, oh, this thing got a fresh tomato or whatever. Uh, and then uh, and then you look at the review and it's just like a middling kind of eh kind of review. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Eh. So I, I I don't know who's assessing you know what gets a tomato and what gets a splat or whatever. So, but all of this is stupid anyway. It's 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 stupid reductive uh, tool uh, used by consumers to decide what they're going to consume. So it, it's not that's not film criticism. No, uh, no, or uh, or d- detailed film discussion or anything like that. You might as well be you might as well be writing about a refrigerator. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so but what I loved about his his piece uh, even more than that is that he came to the defense of uh, of Darren Aronofsky's Mother, which he says is mm-hmm. one of the great movies of the year and has been completely misunderstood by people, and uh, and particularly. Uh, particularly the aggregate sites, and uh, um, and he, he feels that uh, he feels that the the movie deserves a a, re- a reassessment, an honest reassessment. Right. Well, whatever mm-hmm. you can say, whether you liked Mother or whether you didn't like it, you can honestly say that it wasn't boring, and it was not it was not just the same old thing, and. Uh, uh, it might have infuriated you, but it was designed to do that. It might have scared you, but it was designed to do that. It might right. have made you feel uncomfortable. It might, uh, whatever, all of that, it's, all of that might be true, but it was designed to do that, and it yes. did it brilliantly. It was designed to make you think. It was designed yes. to make you think. It was designed to make you, when you left the theater, to think about it. It was not designed. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Have you ever gone to the movies? And you'll see there are people there that have no idea what they're going to see until they get there. They look what's playing on the multiplex here on the listing or whatever, because they have they have the foggiest idea what they're going to go see. I have noticed this in the last like decade or so. Um, people 
just show up to see something. They're not really like us who we have a, we're going to go see Mother or American Man or what have you. you know, we know what we're going to go see. Um, but I have noticed that about the uh, movie <laughs> lately. It's funny. I've never well, thought about that. I've never really never thought about it. Well, my life you know, is so run, run, so run. banal that I think about it. <laughs> Rotten Tomato Rotten Tomato is just kind of the culmination of this, but I, um it's the consumer reports version of film criticism. Um and it completely dismisses the idea that film is art, something mm-hmm. to be grappled with, something to consider within yourself and based upon and, and what it <clears throat> from your own perspectives what the movie's trying to do. I mean, you that's why a film critic brings themselves bring themselves to a, a a movie and 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 filter it and kind of interpret it through their own life, through their own understanding. Now, this is different from consumer reports. Like uh you know, do you think the shock scare worked? Like does this refrigerator door open and close uh uh, with yeah. these, you know, it's that kind of shit. Does it have an ice maker? Yeah. All that I kind need, of shit. Yeah. I need a refrigerator, guys. We need a refrigerator, so I wish you stopped using this example. But I mean, sorry, never it's got nothing. It's got nothing to do with film criticism. And the fact yeah, of the matter is, movies, movies that Darren Aronofsky makes, he 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 wants to make outside the box movies. He's obviously a smart guy. He obviously puts some thought into his shit. And so if you have a very uh, uh, inflamed response to the movie, uh, you need to sit on a while. You need to consider it because it doesn't mean the movie's bad or the movie doesn't succeed in what it sets out to do. It means that uh, you didn't vibe with it, and you've got to figure out why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, That's and, a great, uh, great answer. It might not be the movie's fault. <laughs> yeah, you know, it could be your fault. <laughs> nine yeah. times out of ten, it's my fault. Nine yeah. times out of ten, it's my fault. I always blame myself in these instances, but um, and it, you know, everybody, uh, it's popular to blame Siskel and Ebert for this compu- consumer reports trend in movie criticism, but that that this and they knew those risks when they went in to do that TV show because TV's not designed to do. What their writing did, they wrote thoughtful reviews. They had a point of view. Uh, and even on know. TV, let's face it, they had, they had, they were thoughtful too. I think so. But it, it's just they were. But you you can't you can't be real thoughtful in four in, in three minute sound bites. I mean, they did the best that they could. But TV wasn't wasn't designed to allow for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it. it you gotta you gotta read them in order to you know read them. Uh-huh. <laughs> but they talked about movies, you know. Yes, uh, you know. So I really mean, TV appreciated the uh, the clash between the two. That was what mm-hmm. the, the TV. That's that's what people really uh, uh, glommed onto in terms of their uh, collaboration, but. Uh, yeah, but, but I'm sure they thought you, it, it would get them more attention for their writing if they did a TV show. Their readership would go up. I'm sure that was their initial intention. You know, mm. maybe maybe this will get people more interested in the dialogue of over movies and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it worked for a while. Now there's nothing like 
you know, e- even in terms of, uh, okay, well, that was five minutes talking about that movie or whatever, uh, intelligent conversation, but uh, but also uh, very limited. But even that is like, uh, that's like James Agee compared to what's going on today, you know. I mean, there's, there's uh, you know, yeah. except for, I guess, um, there's certainly nothing like that on television now. Let's put it that way. No uh-huh. one's doing in, that kind of show this, anymore. In this disposable culture, when something is so widely reviled upon its release and dismissed, uh, I don't know. Could the culture be get worse? I mean, could is this a trend that will stay for a long time? Because there have been movies in the past, certainly past decades, that have been reviled upon release, only to be to gain a newfound appreciation years later. I mean, take any Stanley Kubrick movie. So, uh, but do we live in a society that will allow for that in the future, or is it just hmm. going to get worse? I, I don't know. It's probably going to get worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hate to say it. It's probably going to get worse. I, I hate to be that negative, but I just, I've seen nothing. And it's, you know, the political climate um, overlaps with the entertainment climate. Or, there may, or maybe there there hasn't been much of a, a distinction between the two. But as long as we have what's going on, is going to be going on for the foreseeable future, I just, I just see things getting worse. I just don't things getting better guys I really don't um I, I really just don't see it I hate to be that well, guy fuck to say it. that but okay well fuck here is the uh, here here is the here's the tagline for or the uh, log line for PT Anderson's latest film <clears throat> the studio released it uh oh, shit. the other day continuing their creative collaboration following 2007's there will be blood Three-time Academy Award winner Daniel Day-Lewis stars in Phantom Thread from Paul Thomas Anderson. So that's the official title. Uh, Writer-director Anderson will once again explore a distinctive milieu of the 20th century. The new movie is a drama set in the couture world of 1950s London. The story illuminates the life behind the curtain of an uncompromising dressmaker commissioned by royalty and high society. Um, it's set to open Christmas Day of this year. So it's coming out this year. Wow. Week. All right. Yeah, well, uh, I, what can you say? I'm excited about it. Yeah. I, think it's, I, think, I think Anderson's working as his own DP in it. Yes. Oh, wow. Oh, oh. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's thrilling whenever he has a new movie out, whenever both of those yeah, guys yeah, always. Yeah. Always. So, uh, uh, I wanted to talk about a couple of movies that, uh, um, I saw this week. Uh, one of them, I guess I'll start with the, uh, well, we talked about Brad's status a little bit the past couple of weeks. <clears throat> the new uh, uh, Mike White movie, and uh, uh, I'll keep this short. But basically, I I went to see it and I uh, was uh, underwhelmed by it. Uh, I was surprised. Uh, what a pity! I I thought it was uh, I thought it was ex- 
it was extremely whiny. I mean, we've got a character here who is uh, complaining about the fact that he can't get first-class seats, that uh, he's he's um, uh, on an airplane. He's he wants the champagne. He wants the uh, he wants the private jets that he sees his friends having, and uh, uh, he wants the fame that some of them have, and. Uh, I just thought, oh man, so so whiny. I mean, the guy. I know that that was the point of the movie that the guy. Yeah, yeah, that, that was the point. What, I mean, the, 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 but I don't even think at the by the end of the movie he even understands. So I, I don't. I'm not even sure that he really gets it. <clears throat> I by the time done, the, I think he. I do think. He, I I think or I think. I'm sorry. I, I thought he. Get it, buddy. I actually thought he got it when he went to go meet with his son's friend in the bar. I actually think that was quite a. Uh, she really gave it to him with both barrels. I thought she, and, uh, she did, uh, and uh, that was and, one and of the I better. He did get, that's the that's that's the that's the scene you're waiting for. I think in the whole movie, you're really waiting for yes. someone just to. But you do. Um, I do think he gets. I understand. No, I understand what you mean. No, it doesn't. It's very. There is something very uncomfortable about it. But that's his personality, though. And I think that was beautifully set up in the opening when he's in bed with his wife, talking about the parents' house or how much money they are going to be left and everything. Um, I won't. I won't lie to you. Very, very common things to think about in bed in the morning. Quite honestly, money. Um, and, and the way he. It was. A, it was. How should we say it? It's a very. Ben Stiller is playing like of a more mainstream version of the character he played in Greenberg. Um, a very more mainstream, more like I guess relatable, if you will. Um, but a very, how should we say it, specific classic character that does exist. The white uh, male who feels very insignificant when he he has Facebook envy. How else can I say it? He has Facebook mm. envy. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly if we want to call it something. That's what he has. That's hence the I mean, it's funny because in the, in the movie, all we see is his imaginings of what the what the right. character, what his friends are doing, not necessarily right. what exactly. they're real, what's really going on in their lives. I wish they could have hammered that home more. I also I didn't care for. I thought the movie was kind of tedious, really. I mean, uh, particularly <laughs> with all of the narration in it. Um, right, right. Uh, I, I just I just felt. I felt, ah, uh, let's get on with this already or whatever, you know. I, I just didn't, I just did not connect with it in any way. Maybe it's because, you know, I, I think it it probably works better with somebody like, you know, our, our, our friend Adam Long, you know, who's kind of going through similar things in terms of, you know, seeing his own children off to college and so forth. And, and uh, so I don't really have that experience, I guess. But usually that doesn't stop me from appreciating. Right, going. I know. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I just, well done. Yeah, I, 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 I could have done relate, without the narration. <laughs> I, I, could, I could relate. So I think the only thing, you know, now thinking, you know, the scenes with, the, the, with his son's friends, though, I was just like, wow, man, you're really pushing the age limit there thing um, <laughs> on the beach, the daydream sequence or whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah. Sequences. I was like, dude, you guys are really pushing it there, man. The Netflix movie? Not the yet. Myers. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Okay. It's a good. I watched it. 
I don't yeah. know. And, um, it, it, I got to be honest with you. You know what it reminded me of, and there's obviously a reason for it, it reminded me of, like, Noah Baumbach making a Wes Anderson film. And let's not forget, Noah Baumbach has written a couple of Wes Anderson films with him. So it had yes. this really Wes Anderson vibe to it. And I get Adam Sandler's good, Ben Stiller's good, Dustin Hoffman's good. But I don't really saw that really added up to much. It almost seemed like an – to me, it seemed like an afterthought of um, – like, all, like, the stuff that Bombay thinks everyone's in it. Adam Driver's in it. I mean, there's a lot of people in the movie that have been in um, other Bombay films. And it just seemed, almost seemed like an afterthought, the movies, like, While We're Young or um, Greenberg or that sort of thing. Um, but it, mm-hmm. it did remind me of him trying to do, like, something like The World Tenenbaum to an extent. Um, and I didn't think it came off that great. Um, that's just me. Um, mm-hmm. That's just yeah. me. I'm I'm definitely gonna check it out if only for oh, sure. for I'm I'm very interested in seeing Sandler's performance in it. Uh but Oh it's uh, an interesting performance. It's definitely oh god, definitely. Um Yeah. Now the biggest disappointment that I had this week <clears throat> a huge, massive disappointment. <laughs> I've been excited about this movie called Loving Vincent for many uh for almost the entire year. Since I saw oh, a test reel for it, uh, I guess uh, in ter- they were trying to get maybe some some uh, GoFundMe uh, money or whatever, uh, um, and so they had like a little five minute reel of what what they were doing. Now, what they did in the, with this movie, if you don't know anything about it, <coughs> it's a it's a biopic, uh, if you want to call it that about Vincent Van Gogh, and it's all done in uh, oil paintings. They did over 60,000 oil paintings to animate this, uh, serve as the frames in this story. Uh, And uh, the five-minute reel uh, was stunning, Uh, seeing these Van Gogh paintings coming to life. Um, But so, so sitting down... To the movie, uh, I was very, very excited, and my excitement dissipated almost immediately when uh, uh, when the story comes into play. Uh, instead of getting, you know, a story about Van Gogh, really, what we get is a, um, a fictional tale with <clears throat> one of the characters in his paintings, which were real life people. Uh, a postman has a letter to be delivered uh, uh, to his uh, to Van Gogh's brother, um, and basically, it's his. The movie is him trying to piece together what had ha- what actually happened to Van Gogh in in terms of his death. Uh, you know, he he shot himself in a field uh, with a shotgun. Uh, you know, as he was painting. Um, And so uh, the lead character is played by uh, Douglas Booth. Spends the whole movie. He's basically in almost every frame of of the movie. Uh, He uh, he spends the entire movie trying to piece together uh, the death and what really caused it. Now, so it's sort of like a mystery, okay? 
but no one cares. <laughs> First of all, this Douglas, the, the Douglas Booth character, uh, uh, is completely dull. Uh, his two biggest uh, characteristics is that he smokes and drinks a lot. That's basically all that we get to learn about him, really. Uh, and uh, 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 any of the scenes, this was really disappointing. So, so they go back and do flashbacks to to you know to Van Gogh's life. Well, they made the stupid decision, and maybe this was a money decision, but uh, uh, they made the stupid decision of making all of those Van Gogh flashbacks where we see where we actually get to see the real character of Van Gogh. Who never says, but we never get to hear anything from him the entire movie. But they do all of these in sort of a drab black and white kind of look that sort of looks like a maybe maybe the Aha video, the uh, t- t- uh, Take on Me or something like that. Uh, the whole movie is rotoscoped. And rotoscoping means that they film the movie uh, in live action and then they animate over the frames. Okay. Well, if you do that <clears throat> with a movie like this, what you're destroying is kind of the vision of Van Gogh, basically. So the movie only feels like Van Gogh, uh, uh, it, Van Gogh paintings coming to life in those little transitional scenes that are really not very important. Uh, they're uh, they're basically the kinds of scenes that would have been in that five minute reel. Um, so when it comes to the actual dialogue scenes and so forth, they they're just oh you just you it was so bad the the dialogue was bad the screenplay was bad uh, the whole idea of of making it into a mystery was misguided uh, um, it was just a, a tremendous tremendous disappointment I didn't feel like they. They got to the bottom of anything, uh, and uh, you know, and even at the end, for instance, they have uh, they have uh, a singer singing uh, "Starry Starry Night," you know, the uh, Don McLean song, uh, uh, and uh, in this version, the, uh, the the singer is singing. She completely destroys the melody. Uh, she completely destroys because it's done in this sort of uh, scale climbing kind of way that kind of just destroys the melody, and I think that that's a perfect analogy to make for the movie as a whole. It's just the 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 movie itself destroys the melody of of Van Gogh's work. Uh, it's just a, a complete and utter disappointment. Uh, Can I ask a question, Dean? Yes. The the, the musical number. It's not even in the same league. It sounds like it's Carrie Mulligan singing New York, New York, and uh, Shame, is it? Uh, New York, and what movie? And Shame. Remember that beautiful... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, that was you know, great. That's my favorite, you know, that's my favorite <laughs> that, scene. That was the, that was the only scene in that movie I liked. No, I mean, I mean, that was... No, no, you know what? The look of Michael Fosbrenner's face when she's singing and the emotion she's going through, I was just like, this is the greatest scene in motion picture history. But I mean... It, 
<laughs> that is that is a fantastic scene in the movie that I disliked. But uh Yeah, exactly. This is this is not uh you know, this is not even yeah, this is this oh boy though, it was so so sad because they they really put a lot of work into it and I do want to say this, it is dazzling. Um the, the work that they put into it. It's dazzling seeing uh, uh, the paint strokes just dance on the screen. But uh, after a while, you're just sitting there and you're like, do I really have to follow this story that I don't care about? And eventually I just said, I'm just going to stop paying attention to the story because it's lame. I'm just going to try and enjoy the look of it, and that's it. But uh, but it was difficult. <laughs> it was difficult. So you're not loving Vincent. I keep seeing no, that uh, because uh, I, I shop for a lot of soundtracks. I keep seeing that Clint Mansell soundtrack to Loving Vincent on vinyl. Uh-huh. And uh, and I thought that that was going to be a bright spot, too, that Mansell did the score, but uh, but it didn't save it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Cliff Martinez is better. <laughs> Which, uh, I, get them confused. I get them confused. I'll never forget. Make, yes. Making a... Making a fool of myself on Twitter, congratulating Clint Mansell for the Contagion score, which I loved, and he was like, "I'm sure it's a good score, but it's not mine." <laughs> it probably happened to him quite a bit, because uh, yeah, it is easy to get the the two cliffs mixed up. Um, let me say a movie that I did love this past week that I saw for the first time, and that is Maudie. Uh, the, yeah, I want to um, see that. I got to check that out. I definitely want to check that out. It is it is really good, beautifully photographed uh, uh, story about uh, Maude Travis, the uh, the Canadian uh, folk artist who um, you know started painting in the in the 30s and the 40s and uh, grew to be a, a major major force in uh, Canadian uh, in the Canadian art world. Uh, she uh, starts off as a housekeeper for uh, uh, for uh, Ethan Hawke, who's great in it as a kind of a, a, a farmer and a um, fisherman um, who uh, employs her to clean up his his uh, hovel, and uh, and they eventually marry. And uh, uh, it's a it's a complicated relationship. Um, but uh the two uh leads uh he and uh Sally Hawkins who is fantastic in it uh are uh really sell it uh i thought that it was extremely well written beautifully photographed i mean like just gorgeous photography all the way through it some of the best photography of the year um and um i, I really have to hand it to uh the filmmaker Aisling Walsh, uh, whom, whom I've never heard of, uh, <clears throat> I think is a, a an Irish filmmaker. Uh, I I thought that they really knocked it out of the park with this. I I, I really really loved it. Um, definitely one of the better movies of the year. So, and a score by Michael Timmons, who was uh, one of the guys in Crash Test Dummies. Uh, wow. Uh, so, wow, there you uh, go. And very, very, very good score. So, oh. and a uh, good, good script by Sherry White. So, 
Uh, check out Maudi. It's really good. All right. Good. Good. You guys, uh, anybody watch the uh, new David Fincher series on Netflix yet? I'm eight episodes in, and I'm really is liking it. it. But, yeah, Mind is Hunter is okay. what it's called. I read the book a long time ago. I read the book. It's by John Douglas or something. It's um, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, I read. I read that a long time ago. So, yeah, I definitely want to check that out at some point. I think I'm going to want to pick up the book because, uh, you know, I mean, it's these are basically. Book. Yeah, I mean, these are basically the people that that came up with the term serial killer. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, you know, it's a it's a story I didn't know, and. Um, the two the two leads in it are, are fantastic. Uh, Jonathan Groff and I forget the other guy's name, but he's great in it. Um, and uh, yeah, the the David Fincher connection is pretty is pretty palpable. Uh, you know, you definitely get some uh, Zodiac vibes uh, all the way through it. And uh, I, I'll tell you, the guy playing um, uh, Edmund Kemper. Uh, who's one of the? I mean, it was a real uh, serial killer. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he is. Uh, his name is Cameron Britton. Uh, he's about. He's about seven feet tall. <laughs> and, oh yeah! Uh, whoa, whoa! Uh, well, you know, just like Kemperer was, and uh, uh, he is just brilliant in it. He's only in three episodes, but he should really be a, a front runner for the Emmy next year because he's just great. You wait almost yeah, the very entire good. yeah show to see him, but uh, yeah, it's 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 good. I mean, did you like it? Yeah, I like what I've seen so far. It's uh, I mean, it's about the the big the beginnings of serial killer profiling and through the behavioral sciences division of the FBI and how it was not kind of an accepted science at the beginning because everyone just dismissed them as, you know, they're, they're psychopaths. They, they, they have no reason for why they did what they did. There's no use trying to understand them. They saw no value in it. Um, and so it, it's, it's informative about how, how that whole program started, a program that really uh, clicked in the American consciousness uh, when Silence of the Lambs came out, the movie. I think a lot of mm-hmm. people didn't didn't really know that this level of uh, forensic science existed uh, un- until Silence of the Lambs opened and everybody saw it. Um, so it, it's a it's a premise that uh, interests me. It does feel like occasionally David Fincher on repeat, and I I don't know how he feels about that, but um, <clears throat> because I mean right down to. I don't know. It's a little troubling to me that a lot of his movies look the same. House of Cards uh, doesn't. House of House of Cards has some different kind of color schemes to it. It's it's brighter, I guess, maybe as a necessity of the setting. But uh, this looks a lot like Zodiac. A lot like uh, well, every movie he's made. The same colors for Benjamin Button. The same colors for Panic Room. The same. You know, there's a little yeah. Gone Girl. Yes. Um, and and you know the the interrogation is the centerpiece of of those first few episodes, and I agree that actor is magnificent. Um, you just can't you just can't keep your eyes off of him because you're wondering every single reaction, like how 
you're, you're, you know, you're, uh, you're on the edge of your seat because you don't know is this going to make him blow or he's, he's uh-huh. curious. He's um, he's very calm. He's very he's very measured in in his responses, and uh, he doesn't quite play him like a monster, but you can see the monstrousness underneath yeah. everything. Um, he plays so, him. I mean, there's there's a lot of quiet, there's a lot of behavior. you look you you watch that performance intently because you don't know if he's playing them or not. You're looking for some telltale signs, and that, that's a great that's a great performance that leaves that air of mystery and suspense in it. But you're also keenly aware that David Fincher directed a scene like this that was one of the best uh, scenes in Zodiac. I mean, that mm-hmm. that automatically comes into your mind, the interrogation yes. of John Carroll Lynch. I, I, mm-hmm. Obviously, he takes it farther. But, I mean, he's working on familiar ground. I'm curious about David Fincher because I don't know, I don't quite know the kind of filmmaker he wants to be. It seemed very obvious at the beginning of his career, um, that he was going to be a great uh, genre director, maybe turn, turning accepted genres on their heads, that kind of thing. And then he went into like mass popular um, novels, like mm-hmm. Gone Girl and The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. And is he, is he really going to be like a director of supermarket fiction? I, I didn't. That was surprising to me, um, and I still think Zodiac and Seven are his two greatest accomplishments. But uh, I, I don't quite know what I, I don't know. I haven't felt the Fincher fervor for a while. Is what I'm trying to say. I yeah. Think that, well, the only two he squandered two movies. he squandered a lot of his, a lot of his potential post Zodiac. I think. Mm-hmm. He, I think he did, but I gotta be honest. The only two movies I'm not crazy about are Panic Room and Gone Girl. Those are the two movies that I have no rewatch value whatsoever to me. Everything else, I'm actually really. I would have loved for him to do the two other Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movies. Um, I really thought he did a great job as far as remakes go. And I know we, you know, a lot of people don't like the remake of that. And I got a lot of shit for liking the remake of Let the Right One In a couple of weeks ago from someone. Um, but I, I, really I like the like remake. I like the remakes. I like the remake fine, but I also like the original fine too. And it just yeah, exactly. beneath beneath Fincher to to retread. Uh, uh, right. you know, I thought more of him. Right, right. I mean, he might be a he might be. Uh, you know, I get the impression that he's getting fed up with Hollywood and uh, and that maybe. Uh, Maybe it's getting harder for him to get through anything that doesn't have <clears throat> doesn't have you know uh, you know ready made name recognition. Uh, mm-hmm. You know uh, he 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 might be a victim of that. Uh, so that that might be why he's going over to mo- to television. Uh, yeah, that's true. You know he he won't be, he wouldn't be the only director that's doing that. Uh, and I know that a obviously. lot of, a lot of people are probably going to say once I post the sound clip that you know Fincher started his career on retread territory with Alien Three, but <clears throat> he had to start his career, and this yes, was a big right. project. The, the important distinction with Alien Three is he tried to make it dis- distinctive and different from the two that had preceded it. Right. Um, and and what what struck people even if you don't like Alien Three, there was some there was some kind of dark vision at work 
that uh, there was the, poten- the potential for a great dark vision at work, and something that I, f- I felt that he really uh, made blossom in, in Seven. Uh, and then there, and then of course there's a like a novelist, like a more novelist instinct with something like Zodiac, um, that has a, ve- a very strong theme, a very a very involved narrative, lots of characters, and then I still mm-hmm. think that's his best work. But uh, so since too. then, the, the the subject matter has just been I've been disappointed in the subject matter of some of this stuff. Yeah, I've I. You know, I'd like to see him go back to doing originals. You know, at least uh, you know screenplay, fresh screenplays. You know, uh, you know something that's a little bit chancier. But uh, that that said, you know, I, l- uh, let me just say too that uh, if, by the time you get to the middle of Mindhunter, it seems uh, it seems like a more pedestrian show. Not that it's not uh, interesting. But it just it feels more like a see uh, uh, you know a, procedural, a, yeah, a crime procedural, just your average one. But uh, but I like it too. One of the interesting things about it is they're not uh, well. They are trying to solve a case in the middle of them uh, in the middle of the uh, series. But uh, generally, this is a show about research, not about solving cases. Yeah. All, almost all the people that they talk to in this movie have already been caught and co- and convicted for their crimes. So that's that's a that's also a very interesting uh, new kind of thing. Um, yeah, so. it's interesting. That he, I mean, he started he did the character. I don't know. I, I'm sure this mirrors John Douglas. Maybe started his career as a hostage negotiator. Or he has some experience in that. So he uses Dog Day Afternoon as a training device. For new recruits, um, uh, which I got a kick out of, but there's mm-hmm. also questions about, about timeline because we know that we're in 1977 because David Berkowitz has been arrested, um, and yet he's seeing that Dog Day Afternoon in a movie theater, which came out two years earlier. I mean, it's not a big major thing. Maybe it was a theater showing Dog Day Afternoon two years after it came out. I don't know. And which did but, happen. Uh, <laughs> which yeah, did happen. It happened more. It happened more back then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, um, yeah, but it's good. Uh, Hope McCallany McCall- is the other uh, uh, other guy that's joining Jonathan Groff, and he's he's a very familiar face. Been in a lot of things. It's good to see him get a lead role. Hannah Gross and Anna Torv are also very good in the in the show. So um, I appreciate I appreciate that's not star driven though. Because a lot yes. of a lot of these these faces that I've seen on the show so far aren't really, yes, uh, pervasive. Yeah, know, so you can accept accept them fresh. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. It's good. It's it's not like a it's it's not a complete home run, but it's it's very very good and and extremely entertaining. <laughs> yeah, and just for the record, I like David Fincher. Like I, I've I have to one degree or another, I've liked. All of his movies. Uh, I don't think he's made a bad movie. I just, uh, I just want him to challenge himself more in terms of source material. It's, yeah. I wasn't a tremendous fan of Benjamin Button, uh, uh, and uh, you know, I have lesser love for the game and and for uh, for Panic Room. 
uh, and, and uh, Alien 3, but all the rest of them are very good. Yeah, the other two are good. For me, <laughs> you yeah. just saved every single. <laughs> well, yeah, my my thing is, it seems like he does a popcorn movie, and then he does a then he does a movie for for the uh, you know for cinema, and then he does a popcorn movie, and then he does a movie for cinema. Uh, now he seems to be going all towards popcorn movies generally. So, uh, but you know, it'll be interesting to see what he does next, at least as far as. The big screen did. And I, w- I was disturbed because he, making the media circuits, he was on Charlie Rose, and he talked about the lessons he learned from Zodiac, that he can't that he can't make a three-hour movie without a resolution, that he learned that audiences will not sit through that. And I, I, I hated to hear him denigrate yeah, the best yeah. movie on his resume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean... Uh, well, <laughs> I agree. Let me just say that. Just leave it at that. When you make a movie like Zodiac, motherfucker, you stand by it. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah you got it. I, I, I think, I think that was a great summation of of my art up until that point. Yeah. That, that was the, you know. Uh, I hope he doesn't. There's no way he'll turn into a hack. I mean, he's too much of a technically proficient director not to make make interesting films. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It could happen. I mean, it, it definitely could happen. I mean, he's he's not a writer. So, um, so I don't know. For some people, you know, I, I've talked to, you know, if you're not a writer, then you're not a, uh, then you're not an auteur. Uh, yeah, I hate that. I, but at the, at the same time, I think that's kind of bullshit. I yeah, mean, it Sinatra is bullshit. Was, Sinatra wasn't a writer, but he was an yes. auteur. Yes. No one's saying no, no one's saying it interpreted like Sinatra. Right, right, exactly. So it, it, it's it, you're right. It is it is bullshit. But given given that though, he depends on uh, Fincher depends on screenwriters, and right. if screenwriters aren't delivering. Uh, and if he wants to continue working, uh, he, he might have to do hack work. So who knows? Yeah, uh, yeah. I wanted to mention a great, another great TV show that's the, I, I really love this show uh, that's come up from Mike Judge. Um, I think this show oh, is on yeah. Cinemax or uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, or something. Anyway, uh, it's an animated show. <clears throat> He's going back to his roots. Uh, called Tales from the Tour Bus, <laughs> and uh, it's a 30-minute show uh, that um, each week they take a look at the myriad of different tales surrounding a different country and Western music artist. Uh, and given that uh, the country and Western scene back in the 60s and 70s was filled with uh, and the fifties was filled with you know lots of uh, 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 I guess shocking tales of uh, drug abuse and uh, um, uh, alcohol abuse and uh, crazy gunplay and and uh, things that if it happened now they would be considered I guess horrible, um, but uh, now uh, now that that era is over it, there's a there's a certain sort of uh, weird kind of charm to it, I guess. Uh, but anyway, 
<clears throat> the first episode dealt with Johnny Paycheck, who who was most famous for you take this job and shove it. Uh, um, the second episode was Jerry Lee Lewis. You can imagine that 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 was that one was pretty <laughs> crazy. And the uh, third and fourth episode is the two-parter with George Jones and Tammy Wynette. Uh, so, you know, there's not much to say about the show except that, uh, you know, I mean, it's basically done as a documentary. The animation uh, it comes from uh, the, uh, you know, they they actually went out and interviewed the the um, the sort of the satellites orbiting all of these uh, all of these people, whether they be uh, you know fellow musicians or. Uh, hairdressers or uh, bus drivers or uh, uh, biographers or whatever, and they just sort of string together uh, the uh, the stories, and uh, they're they're incredibly entertaining. It's a it's a peer into another world basically, and uh, uh, you know I I can't say enough good good things about this show. I, I really love that uh, it's being done and. Um, I love that it's about country music stars because I think that you know, to a man and to a woman, those country music stars of that era uh, were unfailingly fascinating. Uh, I think country music back then was uh, miles away from what it is now, uh, filled with smart lyrics, uh, lyrics that had. Uh, uh, incredible emotional uh, impact and um uh were poetic uh and uh and of course the music was uh was uh, superior back then as well and the musicianship uh so say what you will about all these people you know uh, in terms of what they did backstage uh you know they're all they're all geniuses in their own right. Maybe not Johnny Paycheck, but <laughs> but uh, certainly mm-hmm. the others are. Uh, I'm sure they'll do, you know, Merle Haggard and so forth. Uh, but um, uh, it's a great show. It's called Tales from the Tour Bus. Uh, you won't want to miss it. It's 30 minutes an episode, and it's it's if you don't know anything about country music of that era, this will be a really great primer for you. All right, I have a question for you guys. It is October, so I'm sure the bulk of the Oscar <clears throat> hopefuls have yet come out for the most part. But um, looking back through the first ten months of the year, in any category, uh, what would you lobby for come nomination time? Something that might be forgotten or overlooked in any category. Uh, well, I would not. I would lobby for uh, Harry Dean Stanton for Best Actor for Lucky. Um, I would lobby for Obit and Kidi, uh, the the Turkish cat movie, as the documentaries of the year. Um, Darren Aronofsky for Best Director for Mother, and Jennifer Lawrence for Best Actress. Uh. Um, also, Salma Hayek for Best Actress for Beatrice at Dinner. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely, definitely that. Um, uh, you know, uh, cinematography for uh, for Maudie, 
Um, Dunkirk for me on all uh, on all technical aspects, um, and and for picture and director, uh, not for screenplay or any acting though. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of some others. Uh, maybe. Uh, well, well, I would go with um, just general like best picture, uh, Dunkirk and Lost City of Z for sure. Um, for special effects, though, if it's all technical, I'd have to go with War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, yes. It deserves every, all, everything that it has to offer. Um, I mean, and I would even, there's got to be something for Andy Serkis somewhere along the lines. If not for this, I don't know, then I don't know for what. Um, but that would go for those. I mean, I would I would lobby, even though it's just never going to happen, Anne Hathaway for a colossal. I mean, that movie's gotten forgotten about, but she deserves something for that. Um, the Big Sick for original screenplay. Um, shit, there's, I mean, there's nice. a lot of good stuff this year. Um, the Battle of the Sexes, I would give, um, I, I would definitely um, include somewhere along there. But there's a lot of good stuff there. There's a lot of good stuff that's come out this year so far. Um, but you're right, we haven't even gotten into the... Um, we haven't gotten into it yet, really. Happy. Not really. Here, 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 here's I mean, one nomination. Hang on, I, 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 I got to look for the composer for best score because sometimes they can go outside the box in terms of score. Um, I would. Let me look at the guy's name. I know his first name's Daniel, <clears throat> but uh, hang on, full cast. Hang on, I'm looking. No, full, full all, all cast and crew. I'm looking. Um, music by Daniel Hart. Daniel Hart's score for a ghost story. Uh, oh yeah, I would I mean, lobby for that. I would lobby mm. for the movie. That movie for for best picture, perhaps. I mean, I, I definitely I would. Still, That's I, another one. I, I still have not watched that yet. Uh, I feel like I'm going to have to be in the right mood to watch it for some reason. Yeah, but, it's uh, not. Yeah, let me be very honest, Dean. Let me be very, very blunt here. Um, <laughs> if, if I had not lost someone, if I have not experienced like the death of my father, the movie would mean nothing to me. Absolutely mm. nothing. Um, it's mm. because of that, and I, not because of that, but there's there are scenes in the movie I get. Um, I'll just say that there are certain instances, there are certain scenarios of the movie um, that I just understand completely because of that. If I hadn't lost someone close to me, I, I the movie might have just gone right over my head. Um, I won't lie to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a movie I keep forgetting. It is like one of the. I would definitely be surprised if that doesn't end up on my top ten this year. Mm. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, so I just I, I you know I mean I just have to I just keep thinking about the scene where she's eating a whole pie. I'm like uh, I don't know. Yeah, I know that has overshadowed <laughs> everything. That that, that uh, scene yeah. has sort of overshadowed. Yeah, yeah. The whole you know. the whole the whole the whole movie's like that, and because <laughs> there 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 is a uh, an element of uh, the ridiculous in the movie, like the silly mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, yeah. But the I think the movie understands when you're saying mm-hmm. go. That's represented by you know a white sheet with eye holes in it. Like you used to play ghost as a kid, it uh, it, it 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 knows that that's kind of a silly a silly presentation. But it's like how, how, to what if, to what extent it can lull you into fully believing 
that that's the form that he takes in the afterlife as he's walking, uh, watching over her. Uh, right. It's a, it's a, it's about. Uh, I mean, it's about loss and it's about moving on. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's something like the 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 bereaved. When you move on, if you stop yourself from moving on, it's because you want to do honor to the, the person that that died. That you right. you wouldn't want to upset the person that died. You feel like you're letting go somehow, and the movie's mm-hmm. about that. From both from mm-hmm. both sides, from mm-hmm. the deceased and the bereaved. I thought it was, I I liked it. I ended up liking it, but it is a movie that. Uh, it is very, very deliberate. So that that yeah. pie scene is uh, is is the movie. I mean, that's 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 what you got to sit through. <laughs> <laughs> you can see why I have to gird myself in order to. <laughs> but it's only <laughs> but it's only ninety but it's only ninety minutes. I mean, so yes. it's not, it's not, you know it's not two and a half hours or something of that. It's not a right. tough skier. All right, here's uh, you know, ten. Uh, yeah, here's yeah. ten uh, great 2017 movies that won't get an Oscar nomination, according to Taste of Cinema. Interesting. Okay, number ten was something you were talking about just a couple of weeks ago, Dean. Megan Le- Levy. Yeah, very good. Very, very, very good movie. Uh, yeah, know, it is. Yeah. So, uh, solid all the way around. You know. You know, I loved uh, Common in it. Uh, it was great as mm-hmm. the sergeant, and uh, and uh, and she, she's very she's very good in it too, Kate Mara. So, yeah, uh, definitely. Number nine, Terrence Davies' movie, A Quiet Passion. Were we talking about that? Yeah, we, we did we talk about that. We mentioned that too. That's a movie that has strong uh, strong cabal of people who love it. Uh, I'm not part of it <laughs> because I thought obviously, that the acting. Obviously not. Yeah, I thought that the acting was really poor, and uh, I thought the script was was also kind of uh, strangely stiff. And uh, you know, I, I you know I love Terrence Davies, but I thought this was a misfire. Number eight, Logan Lucky. Do you think Daniel Craig? If they campaign for him, would have a chance of the supporting. No, uh, it's a good, it's a fun movie, but I just don't, I just don't see this. Well, comedic performances often, often are reserved for supporting. Yeah, yeah. I don't see it happening for him because the movie wasn't a hit or or whatever. If if, if maybe if the movie was a hit, uh, yeah. I I, I like the movie, movie quite a bit. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean. We, uh, it's it's a really really entertaining movie. Maybe loses a little bit in its third act. I thought like a little bit of energy, uh, particularly comedic energy. Um, right, right. But um, uh, but still a, a very very worth worthwhile movie worth seeing. Um, man, this is such a poor poorly written article. I mean, the guy knows the guy the guy knows how to write a sentence. The problem is he repeats the same thing in every mm-hmm. one. In every one he says it was released too early. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. we get the point. We get the point. Uh, right, what's num- number number seven is uh, Jerry's movie, The Lost City of Z. 
Yeah, I just don't see that happening. I'd like to see it, but it's just not going to happen. Yeah, that's what they're saying. It's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. But what? Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I mean, if if it were re- uh, you know if it were released you know in the thick of things, do you think it would even have a, sh- a shot? I just you see that's me, the great, great irony. No, it would get lost. I mean. Yeah, you know, get, that's the problem. I mean, it's a very good movie, and it, it harkens back to an era of, of a time when they, Hollywood made these movies a lot. But no, it would get lost. That's the problem. Yes, it released in April, but yeah, I mean, I mean, even if they a, released it in on December thirty, December twentieth, or whatever, it would still it would. I don't think yeah, it I mean, would. No, I think I, it's, think it would. I personally thought it was a little bit of a dull movie. Uh, that film, I, I you know, I I didn't hate it. I just thought uh, it's a very old-fashioned movie. It's a very old-fashioned. That's the thing that strikes you about it the most. To see a movie like that made in 2017 or released in 2017, I mean, that's the thing that really like you're just astounded by, and you're like, yeah, no, this is very interesting. But I don't see, I don't see that. I think uh, Ingrid Goes West has a better chance of getting some. Oscar nominations, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm just saying, given the subject matter and everything, but that didn't really catch on fire like I thought either. So I mean, nope, nope. Yeah, no, I, I, I would have, I would have loved Lost City of Z if they would have just stayed in the jungle. The fact that they kept going back to, uh, <laughs> yeah, back going to back Britain, to which I know. That's I know that's part of it because it, it, you know it, it took him a long time to to get back to the jungle, but right. <laughs> you know uh, I I just would have rather the whole movie just stayed in the jungle. Right, uh, right. No, I understand. That's a, fair, that's a fair criticism. You know, and they, and they do and they do they do a version of uh, Jungle Love at the end of Lost City of Z where they just keep they do doing they the do. scales up. It just completely ruins it. It, 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 betrays, it betrays the spirit of Morris Day and the time. And uh, yes. yeah, no, no, like Morris Day betrays. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you see what I was doing there, Dean? Yes. Yeah. All right. Good. Number six is a French cannibal flick with deep symbolism called Raw. Oh yeah, Raw. Deep. That's yeah. not going to – I mean, I, I still need to watch that. It's on Netflix right now, but that was never going to get any um, – no. That, Come on. Yeah, no, I mean – that, That's that's the point of the list. They're not going yeah, to get I any know, no, but I mean, I don't, but it's dumb, no, but it's dumb to even – if you're going to put that kind of movie on there, you might as well put, you know, Human Centipede 3 or whatever. You know, it's like – Exactly. Uh, I mean, it's a dumb – this list is getting dumber and dumber. I mean, let's – Yeah. <laughs> But there are hard, but there are hard movies that are that would be deserving of a in an ideal Academy Award to not be right. dismissed. So you're saying this isn't one of them? Yes, no, I don't think, I don't don't think so. <laughs> really getting getting on there. N- neither one of you have seen it, but you don't think so? I won't. I, I won't watch I it. I'm not interested in it. I, I, I don't, I don't watch gore movies. It, <laughs> uh, number five is Wind River. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's iffy. That that might that it depends how the rest of the year goes. That could um, I wouldn't rule that out. Yeah, you know, maybe for a screenplay or something like that. Yeah, but uh, exactly. but I, I mean, but but that movie was kind of tepidly received. Uh, I still I still haven't seen that one either yet. So, 
But uh, um, you know, what people didn't go nuts over it like they did over Sicario or something. So, or Hell or High Water. Well, they didn't go nuts over Hell or like or like those two, but they did go. It's gotten you know, it's a late summer release that actually a lot of people are still going out and seeing. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out too much. That surely has a, a screenplay nomination in it for sure. I think I'd be surprised if it didn't get one. It, it may, it might, it might gain a new audience once it comes out in the, uh, on the videotape. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the VCR. On the old, on the good old VHS, there, Betamax. Uh, damn, I had a Betamax player when they first came out. It, 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 it remains the, the best kind of most advanced player of any format I've ever owned. The thing weighed 500 pounds. You mm. could toggle switch it like back and forth. Yeah. It was like a fancy, fancy thing. Wow. Um, their number four is, uh, is it, is it Okia or Okia? Or uh, yeah, I, I think it's Okia. I'm not, uh, I okay. think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Let's just, oh God, this person doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. Even in an ideal world, this thing would never have seen the light of day. Oh come! It, it doesn't. Where's... It doesn't deserve to be nominated for anything. That's what you're saying. No, no, no. It's a perfect. It's a good movie, but it's not this director's best movie, not by a long shot. Um, but no. What is this guy smoking? <laughs> Fucking Christ! He, he thinks. He really thinks there are categories stuff. that it. He thinks there are categories that it deserves to be nominated in, but there's not a chance in hell it will be. Yeah, I mean, uh, particularly because it's particularly in in danger of being forgotten because it, you know, it's one of those Netflix movies that's just it like got, yeah, play, it, mean, pl- it played in five theaters uh, for a week. Yeah. yeah. So, well, well, that's that's changing. Yeah. I mean, you can't tell you can't tell me that Scorsese that movie won't be nominated for anything because it's Netflix. Yeah, that'll be the big test. That'll be the big, big test. There's a big difference between Scorsese and a Korean movie about a a monster that's a family pet or whatever, a mutated pig, okay? I'm not really going to... I don't think Mr. Scorsese has done anything wrong yet to be compared (laughs) to a movie about a goddamn mutated fucking pig. Yeah, but then, then then again, The Host was a foreign movie about a monster from the deep. The Host is a foreign superior movie. By the same filmmakers, a far right. superior movie. Right, so it doesn't, not, it doesn't matter if it's from Korea and it's about it, a monster. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying this is a very poorly thought out list. I can't wait to hear what the next ones are. Jesus <laughs> Okay, number three is a ghost story. I guess we can dismiss that. <laughs> yeah, we can. Um, number two is good time. Let's dismiss that. Yeah, good time. I mean, you know, good, good time, time is a, you know, again, you know, what's it going to be nominated for? Best actor? Uh, you sure. know, I mean, may, uh, you know, I mean, he, he's he's very good in it. That has a shot yeah. for an, a Spirit Award for sure. I mean, that's got Spirit Awards written all over it right now. But that's I mean, true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but we know it will be nominated for Spirit Award. Yeah, I you know it's too it's too grungy, uh, you know, to be nominated for anything. We have to wait a couple more decades for the generation for generations of Oscar winners to die before good time sees the 
And by the way, when that happens, they'll, you know, the present generation will also be old and will still hate those things. So, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's that's never going to change. You guys heard of a? Uh, this is their number one. Have you heard of of a movie called Columbus? Yes. No. I've heard of it. Yes. Oh God, Columbus! They picked as their number one. Isn't that with John Cho or something? Or um, who's what it? is it? It's about a. It's about Jamie. What is it? Just tell what it is. Um, I don't Columbus know. They won't give a description. I of know. It. I've. We played it in a theater here for a couple of days. Let me look. Oh, my God. Columbus is a... These people, people taste the cinema just really need to stop. <laughs> a Korean-born man finds himself stuck in Columbus, Indiana, where his architect father is in a coma. The man meets a young woman who wants to stay in, Col- uh, stay in Columbus with her mother, a recovering addict, instead of pursuing her own dreams. Uh, Parker Posey is in it. John Cho, Haley Lou Richardson. Yeah, John Cho. Uh, okay, yeah, I was right. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know anything about it. So, uh, so no, I, I you bet the, the you I, bet the Academy doesn't know anything about it. I, yeah. you know, this is like saying, hey, you know, we know they're not going to pick uh, Happy Death Day either, for that matter. That's what this kind of list is. I mean. Yeah, but there's yeah. a difference between Happy Death Day and Wind River. I, 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 I mean, know. I understand I, what the list is trying to do. It's just not a very good list, maybe. <laughs> it's really just not well, a very it, good list. It, contain, it, contains like, it contains like four movies I'd put in there, too, yeah, which is yeah, better I mean, than most of the lists we do. We yeah, just said we'd I, put I, a I ghost just, story I, in, I just, and the ghost story well, was there. Good, but it's just, yeah, I mean, but it's... Yeah, I, I mean, you know, funny. like... You know, but uh, here, here's some other movies, you know, like Graduation, the Christian uh, Munju uh, movie from Romania, you know. Um, uh, how about, uh, you know, Our Souls at Night? Uh, is that even a movie? Is it a TV movie? I don't know. Uh, the Hero. Uh, uh, the Hero. Yeah, why isn't it a hero? Let's put the hero on there. Let's put um. Uh, you know, uh, I I liked I liked that movie Dean that uh, um, yeah that Dimitri Martin did. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, that's the kind of movie that might have been nominated for a, a screenplay award a few years ago, but it just gets totally lost now. Uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, uh, Detroit or um, yeah, or, we're, we're, or we're Wilson. Now that Wilson, or Wilson. I was thinking about Wilson. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Uh that that's that's one that you know uh or, or the journey. Um so I don't know. Uh I don't know. It's a uh, list. They're all subjective. It's all the writer's opinion. Well who are we to say I mean, who the hell am I to say anything at this point? I'm still being crucified for liking Southland Tales for that matter, okay? <laughs> I know. I know. I'm not joking. I'm being crucified for liking Southland Tales and even even admitting that there are parts of the Rob Zombie um, um, Halloween remake that I like. So I'm still getting crucified for that. So, I mean, you know, what, what, what do I know? I mean, 
I should just go home and snort cocaine for the rest of my days. Um, that's you know, that's something know. that we haven't discussed. The Halloween, uh, I guess they're going to make a sequel to Halloween, but that they want to wipe away yeah, all the rest of the sequels. We did talk about this? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I might have I been I, out searching for my cat. <laughs> I found my cat, yeah, by I, the way. Every, no, I know. Everybody I knows. <laughs> and by the way, Dean searching for his cat is not code for something uh, involving Harvey <laughs> Weinstein. It's actually he was looking for his cat. Uh, yeah, I just I just think I'm excited. I guess I'm excited about it, as excited as I can be about that. But um, David Gordon Green just seems like an odd director because his movies are so lethargic, and I don't see him directing a thrilling horror flick. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, well, I mean, I like I said, I was shocked that he directed Stronger. I had no idea when I was looking at a movie that's been directed by David Gordon Green that just caught me off guard because there's nothing in that movie that even remotely suggested. Um, right. Yeah. So. Okay. All right, guys. I guess we're dead for right. the week. <laughs> I feel exhausted. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Next night, everyone. Next next week we'll have Adam on, and then we'll uh, not talk about sexual harassment anymore for a Thank while. Thank God. Oh, yes. Let's hope it's gone by the wayside by that time. I'll see you guys next by week. Way, Harvey, Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein inappropriately grabbed my wayside one time. And, uh, <laughs> I, I want to sue. Thank you.